Happy Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at Dan Urban MMA, and you can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. You can also subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA, so you might as well learn the criteria, which you can find at abcboxing.com. Dan, we are just about an hour and a half removed from the ascent of Francis Ngannou to the head of the class at heavyweight. He is the new heavyweight champion. He knocked out Stipe Miocic in round two. The, the dude looked awesome. He really did. I think we all, all expected him to be champ at some point. I just didn't think it would be tonight. I uh, did. I predicted that. I didn't. Once Stipe took those shots in the first round, I was like, oh, he's got this. Yeah, he's good. Ngannou's breathing, mouth wide open. Uh, but he was not good, and he got knocked out cold. I see. I had the opposite effect. I mean, not necessarily that you know exactly the same way. But I'm watching Stepe, and I'm like, he's not doing anything. I thought that was part of his game plan. I thought he was going to let Ngannou try to uh, gas himself out, which Ngannou he was very patient, so that didn't really happen. But he still was breathing heavy. And well, once we got to round two, I was like, all right, this is where Stepe actually does some offense. He's going to take him down. Beat him up a little bit for the next three rounds. And then round five, pretty much the same thing, unless he gets caught. But. I still would have liked to have seen more from Stipe in the, in the first round to just do something. I mean, he's not going to tire out Francis Ngannou just because Francis Ngannou's punching air. That's not going to tire the man out. Obviously, it didn't. Uh, he got a little tired because of the wrestling portion. Because, I mean, that looked pretty intense. I mean, maybe a little bit. If he, I think I if, if he forced another one or two of those... Then you, I, I think he needed him. to do much more in, in round one. I just do. I, I think he probably should have tried to wear it down earlier. I mean, the longer you let him linger, you let Francis Ngannou linger there, he's a different fighter than he was a few years ago. I think we saw that now, but like even when I spoke to Stipe the other day, he, he gave credit to Ngannou that he would have gotten better everywhere else. And, you know, he said he did too, of course, but it was something he acknowledged that this is a, a much different fighter. And I think think it was game plan to keep it low output. Well, if it was, it was a total mistake. I would not have liked that uh, if I was him. And, and obviously it didn't work out, but I don't think... I also don't think he expected Ngannou to have such a low output that round also. Well, Ngannou, I mean, he... I don't think he was low output. I think he was just patient. I think he was aggressive, but patient. He wasn't just like going crazy, but he also wasn't sitting back and waiting. Uh, you I know, th- I think he struck the right balance. Well, yeah, because it worked out. I, I, I think he no, could. Even then, watching it live, I'm like, this is what you should be doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but he was not as aggressive as he is. He learned patience, so that's another thing that made him better. Well, the funny thing is, he he actually has. He's been winning quicker in these fights. Like these these ones are actually like the last few fights anyway, not this one. They were all ending inside of a minute and twenty seconds. And he really didn't have as many of those in the UFC. It was more fights that would go, you know, into the second round and that kind of thing before he'd win. So a second round finish here is actually more typical of what we'd seen from Francis Ngannou for most of his UFC run up until recently. Well, he's a champ now. I I, I don't see him beating John Jones, but you don't see him beating John Jones. No. I disagree. John Jones is a better wrestler than, than Stipe, and, and I think John Jones is a smarter fighter. I think he'll be I well prepared. I have been. Um, concerned about what we've seen from jones in the cage the last few years a lot of what we've seen is it's boredom i mean i mean sure it could be 
Uh, and I'm not going to write off John Jones. Like he's the guy literally has never actually been defeated. He, he beat himself in the cage. Um, and, and he beat himself out of the cage many, many times, but, uh, and that cost him one of his in cage wins. But Francis Ngannou, I think the, what we saw from him, I mean, this is, this is a bona fide 265 pound, 263 pound. If you want to get technical, um, he's a big man. He can hit a lot harder than the guys who've been hitting John Jones. Sure. And we've seen Jones get hit a lot. And I don't see a reason why I should expect anything drastically different here. Because I, um, I, I don't see Jones fighting a stand-up fight. He's not going to play games like he played with Tiago Santos or uh, Dominic Reyes. Why won't he? It's what he's been doing for a while. Because he was bored at 205. He was trying to make it challenging on himself. Now the challenge I mean, is going you think up in weight. But, I mean, that's not necessarily true. Oh, that's true. 100%. I know, okay. John. Me and John go way back. No, I forgot. That's true. Yeah. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, now that now there's even all this, uh, you know, posturing from one side and the other between him and Dana White. It's, it's about, you know, John Jones is looking to get paid and Dana White is... Pre- playing that off as well he doesn't want the fight it's like well can't he want to get paid and want the fight yeah i mean this fight's gonna it's gonna do crazy numbers you don't even need an undercard just put this one fight sell it for 100 bucks that's it <laughs> well they're not gonna do that but they're, but they're that... definitely not gonna stack it very much it's probably gonna be very uh light on like, names there's gonna be I, no I other think pa- they need any more than that you're right there'll be no pay-per-view point earners besides these two so well that's for sure give each guy 10 million and then let them fight Tell. <laughs> Thing's gonna s- <laughs> Dana White's never going to do that. But the That's thing is going to sell over 2 million buys easy. I mean, it sure could. And and realistically, look, I think these guys should be making at least that. But they're not They're not even going to touch $10 million. They're not even coming close to, to uh, eight figures. I'm saying if you did that, it, it gets done. 100%. Oh, it does, of course. But, you know, we may not see that. I, I'm I'm hopeful that they actually just do this. But realistically, if it doesn't happen, there are a lot of good alternatives here you could do a rematch that you know the complete the trilogy with Stipe Miocic if you wanted to there I don't have a problem with doing that I don't have a problem with going to Derek Lewis next because I think Lewis and Ngannou would actually literally it can't be a worse fight than the first time <laughs> that they fought yeah. it can't it can't, be. It, it can't it's true. Be I was trying to find something but it can't be so no, it, it, it can only go up. And realistically, I do expect we'll get a better fight that time. Not, not just because it has to be. Um, so either of those options, they're perfectly acceptable to me. But I do want John Jones first. I think it's a super fight. It's a super fight that actually makes some sense. Just do it. It's the fight that makes sense, 100%. The mm-hmm. only reason I don't see it happening is if John goes, I want to feel this division out first. That's the only reason I see it not happening. I, I see a few reasons why I think I think it's that could be a case. I could see a case where Dana White tries to play it off as, oh, he doesn't want the fight because that's the card he always plays. It's, every time something doesn't is, happen yeah, because that is he doesn't, the card. they don't give him what he wants, he doesn't want the fight. They want the fight. They all want the fight. They just want to be compensated like people who are, deserve the money because they do. We're not paying to watch Dana White. We're not paying to watch the UFC brand. We're paying to watch Francis Ngannou and John Jones. That's what we're paying for. You could put that on Bellator. We still want to watch it. Yeah, the promotion really doesn't matter at that point. At this for this fight, it doesn't matter. Pay them. The only thing I'm nervous—it's not going to happen. But pay them. The only thing I'm nervous is this fight will probably happen in Texas. Oh God! Because <laughs> they'll pack Cowboy Stadium and yeah, on so many levels, I don't love so. that. Uh, I I wish we were more. Well, 
by later in the year, hopefully we're further along with vaccinations and things. God willing, everybody's uh, willing to get out there and get get vaccinated, and, and hopefully fewer people will get this stupid virus. Um, but more important, well, not more importantly, less importantly, actually. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't always love the judges that we get in Texas. So not that it would definitely they're just make it so there. they're so averse to getting multiple traveling judges like the ones we see in las vegas the ones we see in california the ones we've seen uh at uh at fight island you know with european judges coming in you're you're usually going to get like one maybe two of those upper crust judges coming to texas at one event and then the rest of them are local level judges who realistically shouldn't be judging a ufc title fight and there's always shenanigans so i don't want to see that but it's going to happen so it's probably going to happen you're right (laughs) But what about Stipe? I mean, this 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 loss. What does it do for his legacy? That's what I want to know from your opinion. No tarnish. I don't think so either. Not at all. Uh, I beat DC where, twice. Where so. does he sit in the goat debate? He's still the top uh, heavyweight uh, of UFC. For UFC or or period. For just UFC right now. I'm okay. Tough to top Fedor. Uh, but it's doable. But he's he didn't get there yet. If he won this one, perhaps uh, he was you know better argument. Uh, Ngannou at some point. I know he said I don't think he can beat Jones, but if he does, I mean, he's going to take over uh, all-time and UFC. So. And Ganu, he already has a very impressive resume. So uh, you give him more time, maybe knock out some of these. I mean, he's only 34 years old. He's very young. He's only seven years into his MMA training and, and by extension, his career because he started training and basically just started fighting. So he's he doesn't have a lot of miles on him. He's not old. Heavyweights can fight a long time, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we were watching Francis Ngannou seven years from now, and, and he can do a lot in seven years, especially he's saying tonight, I want to fight two to three times a year. He's one of your guys. He's a he's a fighter, but I don't like mm-hmm. that two to three. I like that three to four, but oh, um, I'll give him that because he put three in there. Uh, yeah, I, I think Stipe's fine. I think Ngannou at some point probably will make it to that GOAT top, so... We'll see. We'll see. Let, we'll let him get there. Let's let's uh, give him that much. But, you know, let's let's move on. Fun talking about, obviously, the biggest fight. But let's talk about some of these contested rounds we had. We had three contested rounds at UFC 260, but only one 10-8 round. We'll get to that one later. Let's start with the split decision that we had from the night. And that was and that was and I'm going to butcher this. Mikhail Olesechuk getting the uh, the nod. Over Modestus Bukowskis. A lot of alphabet soup there. Uh, and <laughs> fortunately, uh, it's not my job to get the name exactly right. I can just type it. I can type it from memory. I can get it right. Yeah, yeah. I typed it enough tonight. Yeah, same. Uh, so, yeah, it's 29-28 split both ways uh, with two going for Olszewczyk and one for Bukowskis. It was round one. That was our split round and, and thus the deciding round here. Two judges, Tony Weeks and Ron McCarthy, gave it to Olszewczyk. And then the third judge, Eric Cologne, gave it to Bukowskis. What did you do, sir? I went Bukowskis. Uh, Bukowskis. Bukowskis, 10-9. Everything he landed felt stronger. Uh, I thought Olek missed a lot, or it was blocked, it seemed. Still a close round, but, you know, Bukowskis longer stronger. Yeah, I think aggression was was more what you saw from Olesheychuk. Uh And, and you know, he, he was landing harder, too. But really, Bukowskis, yeah, I mean, he has the highest spot, first off. And he has it for an extended period of time. He's he's landing pretty well. He's landing more often, and I thought he landed the hardest. I, I actually, I'm not saying it's bad to go this way. 
two judges sitting cage side who are among the uh, least likely to be a dissenting judge in Tony Weeks and Ron McCarthy. They both saw it for Olusechuk, so that you know it's hard for me to disagree. But I- I'm siding with Eric Cologne here. I really did see this as a Bukowski's round. Yeah, I'm with Eric Cologne. This was I thought Bukowski's won, and and uh, just like you said, pretty much that reason. So we've got a couchside override. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's not crazy to go this way. It was a very close fight on the whole. Like even close throughout fight, the fight, yeah. it, just, it was a close fight. It was a very so, close fight. Yeah. It's hard to get bent out of shape on this one, but realistically, he's my winner. That's that's who I that's who I think won this fight. Uh, and uh, I'm an amateur, so it means nothing. But it is what I think. But you know, I, I actually I'm more interested to talk about a round that really didn't have any impact on the outcome of the fight, and that was round two of Miranda Mavericks' unanimous decision win over Jillian Robertson. Two 30-27s and a 29-28, which on the surface, you're like, okay, you know, this, why are we talking about this in contested rounds? Why am I so interested to talk about that? Round two, I was very surprised to see two judges, Mike Bell and Sal D'Amato, give that one to Maverick. And only Cologne, once again, he is the uh, the out judge here who gave it to Robertson. I felt this was a pretty clear Robertson round when I watched it live. I did watch it again, though. What do you think? Before we get deep into I it. I side with Eric Cologne again. Uh, I thought Robertson won this 10-9. Uh, could be because I, I, I'm misinterpreting things in the criteria, but she really owned her in the grappling pretty much. I, she, thing is, she never throws her hooks in, which kind of puzzled me. I don't know why she didn't do that. She never really threw any strikes, and she really had one, one kind of sub-attack, but she kept her on the defense the whole time with her uh, transitions. Yeah, I mean, this looked like some really solid grappling here. It's not like she was sitting in guard or anything. I mean, she's getting she's getting the better of the grappling on the whole. She's not eating a ton of, of really high-impact strikes on the ground either. And yeah, I mean, she's not landing much herself. There was about a minute and a half overall of the fight that was on the feet, and Maverick was winning that. Yeah, no, no so, question. So, you know, that. when I watched yeah. it back a second time, I said, okay, you know what? I, I see the path to it much better. But I really still sided with Robertson here. Yeah, there, there's a there's a little passage under dominance that I, I kind of refer to, and maybe I'm just misinterpreting it. But you know, it says in the absence of dominance in the grappling phase, as set forth in paragraph three of the promulgated rules, to be considered dominant, there must be a singularly or in combination some types of submission attempt strikes or an overwhelming pace, which is measured by improved or aggressive positional changes that cause the losing fighter to consistently be in a defensive or reactive mode. I thought she hit that later part a little bit. Not so far where you would say it was dominant, but to the point where she was making her react and, and be defensive the whole time. I mean, that has more to do with the fact that if you're trying to figure out if this is a 10-8 round. Yeah, but it's just, it's still in there. So it would be considered effective grappling, wouldn't it? I mean, I do I do view this as effective enough grappling. I don't think it's, it all it all is encompassed by effective grappling here. It's It's just how much more effective is it than the effective striking that was coming from Miranda Maverick. I think that's really where the debate lies, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't think Maverick landed anything all that strong, even though there's no argument she was winning the striking. You mean there's no ma- uh, argument that Robertson was winning the striking? No, Maverick was winning the striking. There's no argument to say that she was that she wasn't winning it. Oh, uh, yeah. Just clarifying what you said. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I just I didn't like you think that there was any anything that put Robertson in a, in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but it's a close one. It, it's it's definitely an interesting round. I think it's a round that 
it's a tough one because we do have some effectiveness on on both sides. Just neither one reached a high level of effectiveness, you know? Yeah, just a tough round. Tough round. I still side with Eric alone. So do you. It's a couch that override. <laughs> Keep giving him those. That's two for, for Eric alone tonight. <laughs> so he might be the out judge two times, but he's got two couch side overrides. So yeah. whatever those are worth, <laughs> enjoy them. And the last two rounds we have, as far as uh, dissenting rounds here, both came in the Sean O'Malley round three knockout of Thomas Almeida. The other two rounds, the ones that were actually scored, there was disagreement. And in particular, the one that I found most surprising, and I think you as well, was the second round because they disagreed on who won it. So we had two judges give O'Malley this round, uh, Chris Lee and Derek Cleary. The third gave it to Almeida, and that was Junichiro Camillo. I'm not going to sit here and say there's no argument for Almeida because I do think it was a close round, but I I really wasn't entertaining going that way. I didn't think it was close enough for me to go in the direction of Almeida. What about you? I am not going to be like you right now and agree with that. I don't see an argument whatsoever for Almeida. None. Wow. Don't see an argument. He landed one decent strike, which... Actually, was probably a cup check, pretty much. That one kick that lands across the upper part of his leg and hits the cup. I mean, he backs off because it hits the cup, and he, he just he actually shakes it around a little bit. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can like. That's the only good strike for Almeida in that fight in that round. I I really think it's totally crystal clear for O'Malley. And typically, I'm not like that. No, I so, know. I understand that. And and look, I I don't I don't agree with the score. I don't agree with it going that way. And it's entirely feasible that, and I'm just going to posit this because it, it is a fact that once in a while, because this fight didn't go the distance, sometimes it could just be something that was recorded incorrectly and possible. that they would get that clarified if it was to go to the scorecards. It's possible. It is possible. I'm not saying that's what happened. I don't know. Uh, but that is that is just something that when we're talking about fights that don't go the distance and we're looking at the scorecards. Those are not always verified to the same degree as fights that go the um, that go the distance. So that's why sometimes you'll see, uh, at least is my understanding, is sometimes you will see it could take a while for the cards to get to Bruce Buffers. Maybe they're trying to figure out if things were written down correctly or something like that. It, mm-hmm. it could be a lot of things, but I, I believe that that is one of the reasons. So understand that that is possible, but let's just take it for what it is and assume that's what Camillo wanted to do. He wanted to give it to Almeida. And if that's the case, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a stretch. But yeah, I, I don't I won't go as strong as you. OK, let's get to round one. Yeah, round one. This one, you know, I would say less controversial than the round we just discussed. But that was this was for our 10-8 watch, our only actual 10-8 uh, debate of the night. Uh, and this one. So no debate about this one. O'Malley won it, obviously. Right. Oh, yeah. No, no question. When I watched it. I was very close to going to 10-8, and I just didn't do it. I gave it a 10-9 and kind of very quickly had kind of a buyer's remorse, I guess. And it was one of those. I wonder if judges actually ever feel this way where they turn in a card and they think about it later, like even like moments later. And they're like, damn, I wish I kind of went the other way. But they're probably much more decisive than I am because they've been doing this a lot longer and it's their job. And I'm just a guy who talks about it in his basement, which is also my office. It is the office. It's my office. This is where I do work. But yeah, I went 10-8. Yeah, I, I, I flipped that way too. I, I think this is a very good example of a 10-8 round because we had 
Very high spots of diminishing strikes landed by O'Malley. We had almost nothing happening from the direction of uh, Thomas Almeida. The actual total strike uh, breakdown from UFC stats is 36 from O'Malley, 8 from Almeida landed. And plus O'Malley had the knockdown where you had him in big trouble. Of course, O'Malley should have just finished this round. But he tried to go for the, uh, you know, the 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 uh, viral effect of the walk-off KO. Do it when the guy's actually knocked out. Almeida was not knocked out. Yeah. And I don't know how me sitting in my basement can see that. And him standing in front of him can't see that. That's that was... just, I don't know if that's an experience or if that's just because he's got this massive ego now. But, I mean, dude, get the job done. And sure enough, he did later. He wants to do sweet things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you said it perfect. The the, the high spot coupled with the, the the low offense from Almeida makes it pretty easy to go 10-8, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I okay do with understand. A I mean, obviously, I, I went the other way, so yeah. I understand why you wouldn't. Yeah, I'm fine with a 10-9, too. Yeah, yeah, So And and it was Chris Lee who gave this one the the 10-9 uh, with Camillo and Cleary seeing. I almost said clearly like Bruce Buffer. Every uh, time. <laughs> with Camillo and Cleary giving this one the 10-8. So, you know, we both sided with them. Uh, this ain't no couch side override. We're we're going with the with the uh, majority here. We're in the majority. Mm-hmm. And one more. F- I actually wanted to throw this in, Dan. It's not actually part of the 10-8 watch because it's not a round that completed, and we don't know what the judges exactly would have done. But round three of Mark Andre Barrio when he got the TKO over Abu Azitar with four seconds to go. Right? Yeah. Four seconds left. I mean. If you're a judge, you've got to be sitting there saying, I know what I'm going to say in this round. Ready to write your score down. And and it was and it was also a round that, like, you're kind of sitting there wondering when it's going to be stopped, if it's going to be stopped. And somehow, Azaitar just kind of keeps on finding a way to keep it going just enough. So I have no problem with the stoppage or anything. Um, I don't know if you do. I don't have a problem with the stoppage. I just think it could have been stopped 100 times and no one would have had an issue with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably true. But yeah, I mean, even if it went... Four more seconds. I don't know if I would have had a major issue. I, I don't well, know I, if let, what let, happened let, at the end was drastically different. Do you? Let me tell you what, if if I was in Azatar's shoes, uh-huh. if it got stopped with like a minute and a half, I'd be upset at myself for putting on such a bad performance. If it got, if I suffered through that entire round and I got stopped with four seconds left, I, I'd be pretty upset at myself yeah. for the performance and for like, you made me go through this entire beating <laughs> for me not to get, you know, to go to the scorecards so I'd, I mean, I'd be upset on his point i see why he would be upset i think they did have some kind of little tiff or whatever that they that john, john anik mentioned what's well, it is that's on him it is on him i'm telling but i'm telling you from my from a fighter's perspective if i was the fighter that's how i would feel i'd be mad at myself but then i'd be like well what was so different now that wasn't a minute and a half ago yeah i, I mean i get what you're saying um i do but as far as this round and the reason we're talking about it the question is what do we do with this round? If if you're a judge and you're sitting there and we had to actually turn in a scorecard, what would you have done? Would you have given this? I mean, I think I think the debate isn't necessarily whether it's a 10-8 or a 10-9. I mean, this is very definitely at least a 10-8. The question then becomes, and this is something that people posed online as well, are we looking at a 10-7 round here? Let, let me let me get this out of the way before if if you wrote sure. if you scored this one a 10-9, I think that's the worst score anyone give gave in the past two years from yeah, what I, can I, I think of, that's a very lazy score is what i would so, call it I, I don't know if i would necessarily call somebody you know dumb or something like that just because they gave the score i almost think they would just be lazy just i think it's a, just the worst score you can give is 10-9 uh 
I bet you uh, 10-7 for Azitar would be a worse score. Well, yeah, but because that's just out of the realm of possibility. Correct. So I think this should be a 10-7. I scored it a 10-8 because err on the side of caution. I'm like, oh, what really is a 10-7? But this was nonstop beatdown for the whole round. I mean, you had a strong checking of damage. You had a strong checking of dominance. And you had a strong checking of duration. I, think- I don't disagree. But is does it reach that 10-7 level? Even by the criteria. I mean, I thought the fight could have been stopped. Like I said, I mentioned a bunch of different times. But that's not necessarily in the I criteria thought... anymore. They kind of took out that that element of it. Did they that, remove that, that? Seems to kind of put... Yeah, they took that out. Okay. Um, it, it kind of... Because the way it was worded almost seemed to pin the blame on the ref. It's like, well, ref, why didn't you stop it? Now I have to give it a 10-7. And that's not... I think they wanted to move away from that. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know they added that part. Yeah, uh, no, that was added. I, I want to say for last year. Okay, so either way, or, or it was recently. I, I forget exactly when it was added, but yeah, that that is not in there necessarily anymore. But either way, this I thought this is strong damage, strong dominance, strong duration. I think the question that I have, is, as far as if you're going to determine this to be a ten-seven round, why is this a ten-seven round, and why not say to share a against uh, Anthony Smith from last year. Well, I agree. But, I mean, at some point, the change has to happen, so... Of course, and I, I don't disagree there. I mean, if you just keep on using past standards, nothing's ever going to change. The I think the, there's two reasons why I wouldn't call this one a 10-7. Um, one of them is more just personal opinion and, and interpretation of the criteria, and another is uh, from kind of a a pushback that we've seen in recent weeks, actually um, from outside forces, powerful forces. Uh, for me, I just don't think I saw this as I, I saw an Abu Izaitar who's just super tired and not necessarily someone who's just getting pounded on. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that one. Maybe that's me because I mean, you know, you look at the numbers, it's 90 to 15 in total strikes. Um, as far as what they consider to be significant strikes, whatever that means, it's 59 to seven all in favor of Barrio. So, you know, there's there's certainly a lopsided factor to this one. But I don't know, it just didn't seem to be at quite the same level as like, you know, I, I think about I think about some of the rounds that we saw in Max Holloway against Calvin Cater earlier this year. I think it was round four was the most dominant of those, right? I don't recall exactly which round. I don't remember exactly which round, but I mean you remember that fight. Yeah. And and I distinctly remember thinking about this with Max Holland, I'm like, man, I mean, he's just torching him. He's absolutely just pounding on him. The guy won't go away. He can't stop this one. But man, this looks like almost a 10-7 to me. Yeah, I mean, back to your point about uh, Azetar just being tired. I thought he was drowning. And I, I thought it was a, a nonstop swarm from Barrio. It, elbow punches just really beating the crap out of him. Okay. All right, you know, I so. can understand that perspective. I, I don't necessarily see it that way, but that... That makes sense to me, sure. Um, but the other one, the the other thing I alluded to is the, the kind of the powerful forces here. It's at work. Dana White was very vocal recently about how many ten eights that we saw on a recent card, and it was kind of like, a, well, why are they just giving these out? Back in my day, kind of deal. You know, giving that old, old kind of an old timer response, which now shows that Dana is not this this young force that that was driving the UFC's growth anymore. He's very much an, an older, established guy. Because when he starts talking like this, it's like, guys, the, the way that they've been judging fights has changed. But when someone like Dana speaks up, commissions listen up. And now we're starting to 
see there's kind of a discouragement from going crazy, I guess, with with the uh, the way ten eights are given out. So there's there's going to we're, we might see some changes. That's only Dane is just mad because Izzy's a huge star and he got ten eighted in a round. So that's where that came from. I mean, I agree, but at the same time, it's you got a good point. When Dana talks, things can happen. When Danny you know? talks, things can happen. No, they don't. I'm sorry. I'm going to start talking. Well, you can do it. And things are going to happen. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I think all that considered, I don't think that this is what meets 10-7 uh, criteria with judges. And I don't know what they would have done. I don't know if they would have gone that way or not. But yeah, I, I think there's other, if you were to like rank rounds and, and you know, as far as like most dominant lopsided rounds or something like that, I'm sure this would rank pretty high up there. But I don't know if I would put it ahead of other rounds that I would consider to be 10-7s. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know I get it, but, but like I said, at some point you got to break that and go go for it. Like, I, I, think, I think Barrio deserved it. I mean, the guy was trying to kill this guy, trying to kill him. I, I mean, what else do you put it? Drive your elbow to the guy's face a hundred times? I don't know. That's I guess I just disagree. Um, I mean, the you safe. Said, I said, did you I, say you wouldn't have gone that way, or no? I went ten eight because it's the safe score. You did okay. I see. I see. But and, and we'll never know, of course, how the judges actually scored that one or would have scored that one because. It never got there. But. I do want to point out Spencer. Yeah. Spencer Kite did say he was getting ready to run right ten seven. Hey, I love Spencer, so, but he is as trained as you and I. Oh, actually, that's not true. He, he is better course. trained than you and so, I. I should say that. I will give credit where it's due to Spencer Kite, my man. Uh, but he has uh, as, as much experience judging fights, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I don't believe he has any fights judged uh, as you and I do. So it is what it is. I'm just saying I respect his opinion as, I, as far look, as, res- as far I as respect other... his opinion and him as a person. But, so. uh, you know, we're all just basically media people, you know? Yeah. And yeah, and the media is, you know, they don't have the greatest judges for the most part. We're, we're not uh, the most educated <laughs> on the whole in terms of how judging works or, or how to react to it. Uh, all right. So the, and this obviously was a finish. Uh, we had six total. Yes. Yeah. It was actually, honestly, it was a pretty action packed card. Yeah, it was a it was a fun pay per view. We got our money's worth. And also, I should really before we even go on to those finishes, I want to point out really quickly just that the judges again they've been just doing so phenomenally as far as getting on the same page with how rounds are scored. Yeah, three total descents. So well, three solid. three descents over the round winner plus uh, a ten eight uh, disagreement here. But I went back and I looked, and out of the last three events, because it feels like these three these last three events since uh, the last pay per view. With the three title fights, uh, we have 56 rounds scored over this time. The judges only disagreed 10 times overall. Yeah. You know, three of them were 10-9 splits. Seven were actual descents over the round winner. But that's 18% of the time they're disagreeing. Usually it's closer to double that. So they're really doing a phenomenal job. All in unison. Good job. I, I love it. I, and, and it's going to stink when they go to places like Florida and, and especially Texas. Now, Florida's fine. They they usually tend to bring in some of the better judges um, in, in a mix with some of their local judges as well. Um, but yeah, Texas, is, that's going to hurt when they go to Texas. Silly old Texas. Surely all, all the title fights that are going to be there won't go the distance or anything, right? Let's right. Hope, let's hope not. <laughs> but yeah, so with that out of the way, yeah, let's, let's go back to the finishes. What was your favorite finish? Uh, Luke uh, choking out Tyron Woodley with a Darce. Vicente Luque. That was a wild round. Great, great round. I mean, I think that round probably rivals 
Diaz daily. Um, as uh, action packed. I don't know about that because there was a lot of clinching and 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 the like for a little bit of that round. So I don't know if I would put it in the same class. It's I mean, I would say the latter part of it is is like that. But as as far as like an entire round, I don't know. Once okay, yeah. Once Woodley decided, all right, just gonna try to knock him out. Well, part of that, that was point. he got super badly hurt, and he's like, oh, I I think I need to finish him now. <laughs> he was very 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 badly hurt, and he's just kind of winging punches. I'm like, I, honestly. It wouldn't have bothered me if they stopped it when he got so badly hurt that he's barely standing at the cage. But Jason Hurd I mean, I'm glad they was right on top. But of it him. wouldn't have driven me crazy like it might have some other people. I mean, Jason Hurd, he was right there. Yeah, no. So. I, credit to Jason Herzog. This is not to take away from him. I, I think he did a fine job. I'm just saying, if he had decided to do it earlier too, I wouldn't be calling for his head. Oh no, no way. No, Woodley this, might this, be. This is a fighter who certainly looks compromised. But I mean, I guess if he's still throwing, he's technically not out of it right yeah and then to to lock up the sub instead of keep punching that was pretty awesome yeah you do love your subs so he's uh he's a my guy but <laughs> what's your favorite it was uh i went with james malarkey oh yeah he just i mean comma worthy was doing the stanky leg oh he was he was very very badly yeah. compromised it, the fight only lasted 46 seconds we didn't get a whole lot of it but malarkey looked fantastic in that in that period and worthy is he's not a, a pushover he's he's somebody that has proven that he he belongs at least at this level. Yeah, he's got some decent wins. So I think we expected this one to be pretty pretty action packed for as long as it was going to last. It for forty six seconds, it was pretty action packed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it from the Couchside Judges, the Sunday edition. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll be able to do more of these. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, as long as there's not uh, a lot of disagreement, we can probably. But we're not doing any next weekend because there's no UFC event. No, we'll do something. I don't know what. Yeah, we'll figure it out. There's not even much going on. We're going to have a lot coming in April. Bellator's back. Uh, PFL's back. We'll see. Yeah. Have a good night. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.